This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Galaxies we hear, so all right, so welcome so back, everybody, to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your co-host, Kara Borkowski, here with Dr. Brianne Ruse and Dr. Marie Heath. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hi. <laughs> you know, I have to say, I'm going to be honest, I hesitated to use ladies because I learned recently that I need to be really careful with how I refer to a group, but I will say to our audience, because you can't see that both Marie and Brienne have their pronouns. And so I felt very comfortable um, with identifying. So that, that, that was the hesitation in the welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for our new listeners, this is a podcast about all things belonging, community, connections, collaboration, and holding space for what's possible. Over the life of this pod, we have explored research and scholarship on or related to belonging, shared stories, listened and engaged with diverse individuals about belonging during the pandemic, as parents, as leaders, as human beings who show up for all the things. This season, we are journeying into belonging in our relationships as friends, spouses, coworkers, neighbors, all the levels. And today, Dr. Marie Heath is joining us. She is an assistant professor of educational technology at Loyola University, Maryland. Prior to her work in higher ed, Dr. Heath taught high school social studies in Baltimore County Public Schools. Her teaching experiences influenced her research, which focuses on the intersection of education, civic engagement, and technology in order to foster social change. Dr. Heath is the co-editor of the CITE Social Studies Journal, chair of the Critical Theory in Teaching and Technology Special Interest Group for the Society for Information and Technology in Teacher Ed, co-founder of the Civics of Technology Project and past chair of the Social Studies SIG for SITE. Dr. Heath is the faculty associate at the Center for Equity, Leadership, and Social Justice in Education. Oh my goodness, Marie, I have to take a breath. You have so much going on. <laughs> Too many things in the bio. <laughs> no, no, it's good. I've got a little bit more, so everybody hold on. <laughs> Dr. Heath's belief that public schools should promote a robust and multiracial democracy through liberatory education guides her research. Her research agenda asks, how can we work together? Sorry, how can we work toward just technology and education? To answer this question, she investigates the intersection of education, civic engagement, and technology. She uses her research to interrogate educational technology, confront systems of power, and advocate for teacher activism. Dr. Heath has published articles on techno-ethnic ethics and techno-skepticism, social justice and educational technology and social action and technology. 
Oh, I love how you frame your research as, as one big question. I find that really, really cool. So thank you for oh, doing thank that. You. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. And I think today, hopefully we're going to talk a little bit about um, technology and belonging, which I think will that be, sounds great. yeah, will be a fun <laughs> thing, fun thing to add. So Marie, as we get started, uh, Brianne and I really love just to check in. So how are you? How's your family? How's life? How was your weekend? All the things. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, let's see. The weekend was good. We, um, my children had, uh, my oldest had a soccer tournament and, but on Friday had baseball practice and got hit in the elbow by a wild pitch from the pitch machine. So he's fine. Nothing's broken. It's just a deep bruise, but I always forget how quickly like medical stuff derails everything, you know, and it's just, I've been so grateful for our long, relatively long (laughs) run of like not being in ERs. And then I was like, oh man. And now I've got follow up things. So, like, good. And that is totally not the worst thing that could have ever happened. But sometimes that just like, Put you a little mm, off kilter. Absolutely. How about you all? Yeah, I, I'm good. We, our kids had in Massachusetts, we have this weird thing called April break. So we had February break, <laughs> we have April break. Um, so I just took the kids to see my parents in Maryland. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, which was great. So thank you for asking. Brianne, do I dare <laughs> ask how, how you and your family are doing? <laughs> We're good. We are. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, we spent Friday at a track meet, which are super fun and long, um, but it was great. And then Saturday was at a field hockey tournament. And then we just had our very first COVID diagnosis in our house. Um, not me, thankfully, but yeah, we've never had it. None of the four of us have had it in all the years. And so here we are mm. frantically great. doing the masks and Clorox and stuff. So. <laughs> oh, well, I hope everybody is better soon. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. We just hope he keeps it to himself. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like some empathy and mostly like there are so many things happening this week. That was like really bad timing. Yeah. <laughs> so you're Stay out of the away. Okay. What are we going to do? Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Marie, yeah. when you were describing your ER visits, I couldn't help but think about those like large um, factory buildings that have that sign that says, you know, a hundred days since an accident or whatever. I'm like, the households need like a <laughs> yes, hundred days ER free. Yeah. Start your count over. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Oh my goodness. So, so again, thank you so much for being here today, Marie, Br- uh, Brianne and I are really looking forward to our conversation and Um, You know, this is a podcast about belonging. And so we're really thinking about, you know, you bring such cool experiences from your time teaching social studies. And I know your passion about civics and social justice and your expertise in technology. So when we mush all of those things together into this sort of kaleidoscope of interest and expertise, what does that mean for your view of this word belonging? That's a good question. I've been thinking about it (laughs) since your email. And I think um, a lot of it, you know, uh, sort of informing all of that underneath is, is citizenship and not citizenship, Mm -hmm. like member of the state citizen, but more citizen, like member of my community you know, like, what does that mean? And what is my sort of like responsibility to others and their responsibility Mm -hmm. to me? And I think belonging is really integral to that. And I, and I, I'm not sure that I've 
articulated that out loud to myself or with my students so clearly until I just thought about it with you. But, you know, you feeling like you matter is really important to being a citizen who feels like they can be part of their community and make work for for good for social mm -hmm. good and communal good and so but i think feeling like you matter absolutely is is like tied to belonging and feeling like you belong mm -hmm. and and who like we society help make uh, like who feels clearly and less clearly like they belong like it's very connected i think to citizenship and the way that I think about it in civic engagement and social studies and working in a community for the greater good. So I think that's probably where belonging comes in. Yeah, I love that. There's some literature that was written. It's in the social work area um, that talks about mattering, right? This this mm. perception of mattering. So I love that you brought up this idea of you, you know, that you need to matter. You also said the word responsible when you think mm. about um, citizenship and civic engagement. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm, I'm taking this great class on, um, it's called self and identity. So we're, we're digging in and we're talking about, um, you know, social inclusion and exclusion. And the conversation last week was around responsibility. And so can you like say more about like, what does that look like to show up and, and sort of have that responsibility? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So sometimes, uh, so I, I don't like to think about responsibility in terms of like be mm. well behaved, like I'm pointing my finger yeah. right now, <laughs> responsible, you know? Yeah. Um, because uh, although I think, you know, be thinking of others and being polite and 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 is all important. I've, I'm not advocating for people to like become bullies on the internet or anything <laughs> no. like that. But, but, there um, in social studies, there's a line of research on citizenship. And one of the ways of sort of categorizing citizenship is responsible citizenship, which is like people who follow rules and do, you know, and that's all fine until the rules maybe are unjust or mm -hmm. should be challenged. Um, and the sort of line that those scholars use is, you know, you should be able to walk into a classroom and a social studies classroom and know what kind of government you are inside of by the ways that the children are in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and which makes me think about a lot of ways we treat children in school. Um, because, you know, like any fascist would love responsible citizens, right? Like that's awesome. They like, <laughs> do what they're told and they follow all the rules and that's great. Um, so you really want citizens for democracy, which means mm. like responsible, but in a way that you are responsible perhaps to others and sort of what do I owe? And I would also include our environment in that too. Like, what do I owe to my environment? Um, I also like to say to my kids when they're doing things that maybe feels great for them, but is perhaps not something we all enjoy. I'm like, we live in a society. You can't like do whatever it is that you want to do with your food right now that looks disgusting out in a restaurant or whatever. Yeah. Like, we are in society. And that doesn't mean, you know, that we have to like have this manners. We just have to know like we're in relationship with other people sharing yes. space with them. And they should also feel like they can be content in this space. So. Yeah. I love that. I'm gonna have to try that with my kids. We're in the society. 
see, see how that works. So I'd We'd love like to hear the follow up from that. Character. <laughs> I know mostly yeah. they just roll their eyes in my house. They're like, mm-hmm, we know mom, you've said that before. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. I wanted to think about, um, the idea of feeling like you matter kind of grounds you. It sounds like I'm hearing for the work for others. So what does that mean when we think about the relationships? So belonging to yourself, belonging with others, you you started to talk about it, but I'd love to unpack it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, so I think I'm trying to think about both the ways that I teach it, for instance, in social studies preparation, and also just my own, even in teacher preparation, (laughs) like that, doing your own identity work to kind of figure out who you are, how you show up, how that means that the world has been seeing and treating you and kind of like getting your head around that and like your heart around like your body. Um, And so that you can, uh, you know, I think about in teaching how like finding your authentic teacher self, you know, when you're with uh, in a classroom and, and finding that is, is really hard. And I also this is like a total aside. I wonder what it is when we ask young people who are 21 years old to become teacher, you know, you graduate from college and you're 21 and you become a teacher and you're like, gosh, I was, <laughs> there's still like, I mean, I still have like plenty of work to do, but I had like a lot of work in 21. <laughs> so that's just hard, right? It's like really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that is sort of the self work of, of mattering. Um, and then that kind of understanding of um, that all all humans are human and like no humans more human than another, but we're and and again, and I also like would broaden that to include our environment and our earth and the ways that like when you do some own your own kind of like mattering, then you sort of understand that about all the other creatures we're sharing this everything with um so i i think i don't know if that was what you were asking but i think that was kind of what i was i was thinking yeah definitely i think because you're talking about your students and yourself and everybody's growing and on these journeys and i like the way you said um you have to do your own identity work who you are kind of figuring out who you are which that's always evolving right and along with that um how the world sees you and treats you that's so important, right? If you're then yeah. going to go work for others and to then be able to perceive how the world sees and treats others and the injustices in that. Yeah. And the intersection of our identities in bigger systems. So part of the work I do is also trying not to individualize everything, but sort of see the systems that we as individuals are working within so that, um, so I think that there is, you know, we have an, a level of individual responsibility, but then I think we have kind of collective work to do as well. Oh, like collective mattering. That's probably also a line of scholarship that <laughs> Carrie, you probably know about, but I don't know. That'll be, that's kind of interesting. I don't know. I don't know that I've read it with, I mean, certainly there's the idea of collective, but I love, I love that. I mean, I, this, this whole notion of responsibility and our collective sort of it resonates with me, you know, cause I think mm-hmm. too often, and this is how we got into the conversation last week was we were, we were reading a case. And at the end of the case, this, this, this professional woman was excluded for her sexual orientation. And the questions were, what should she, what could she have done different? And we had four different options. And my question back to the class was, 
why are we putting this on her? <laughs> where are yes. the other people in like, I feel like we're asking the wrong question. Right. And then someone said, well, why is it the responsibility of the ally to always speak up? And so then we started talking about like, we talk about the person who's persecuted and then the other people in the room and this idea of collective responsibility feels right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this mm -hmm. integration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of, um, I was, I was like thinking about you and your family. It's like, we're, we're creating these community agreements, right? Like, how are we going to be together in this space? Like, mm -hmm. what do we want our democracy to look like? Right. And so I guess what I'd love to try to tie in here, Marie, if we could is what are the implications for technology? Like, what should we mm -hmm. be thinking about, whether it's social media, whether it's, a new learning management system? Like how do, how do we, like what questions should we be asking when thinking about technology in this sort of responsibility space, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, two things. One, yeah. I have a series of questions for you that I've right. developed with my <laughs> colleagues, but I, I wonder, and I think like it's a good question for us to kind of go back and revisit them my colleagues and I, to, to think about ways that we are ensuring that it's not so much an individual asking, like, you know, because uh, like, what, it, uh, yes, I do have personal responsibility, but mm -hmm. what is also like the ways that that personal responsibility is intersecting with systems, which need to change. And I am not like, no matter what I do, if, if those don't change, then that's a like not a possible lift maybe um so the the questions that i like try to pause and think about for technologies um often are let's see who benefits and who's harmed and like think about that as an inner you know both individually and collectively uh, often that is with you know intersects with identity as well um what do we what do we give up as a society so maybe this is a question so collectively what are we giving up for a technology so um for instance if you think about like cars what have we given up for cars you know we've given up you know individually it's just the way of experiencing the world when you're walking it's just different and it's slower we've given up sort of interacting with humans regularly you can be inside of your bubble safe car right <laughs> and mm -hmm. just go through the world right um and then we've also given up space you know we've given and then and you think about the ways that that then interacts with systems like and we've asked for our car and the third one is what does the technology need so the cars need these big roads mm -hmm. and we just put the big roads we we've built them as a society we've built them through for instance cities and decimated black neighborhoods or destroyed them so that you know cars intersect with white flight and so there's a way to think about technologies of sort mm -hmm. of what do we give up and what does the technology need and then um and kind of revisiting the who benefits who harms that's kind of a space where you can bring a more critical lens to it mm -hmm. i have to look at our other two now i can't think of them oh why is it so hard to imagine our world without that technology right like i can't imagine my life without my car i i spent this weekend in the car <laughs> taking children to soccer tournaments and baseball games and whatever um and so all those kind of questions about uh, the impacts of technology on our collective and individual lives that we don't often ask. We're usually just sort of told, especially in digital technology by like the tech bros who invent it, like, well, 
we just we just made it you know we just mm. thought it would be more efficient or be really cool and now you have to deal with it we just it's out there now it's yours um and that i think is something that i would like people to kind of push back a little bit on resist a little bit and say well we've thought about it and we don't like it the way you made it mm. and you are just releasing this untamed thing into the wild world which is already full of its own issues and now now we have to interact with the technology and those issues is maybe a problem and so what can we do individually and collectively and through education to kind to reconsider and be a little bit more thoughtful about how we take up technology in our lives mm. it's so interesting that you use the car as the example because that's like I wasn't thinking about cars as a technology, but it is right. And I was driving home this weekend and thinking I was watching, I was going through New Jersey or, or somewhere like that. And they're widening the highway and we're losing trees. Right. So mm -hmm. we're also giving up. It seems like every time I drive, they're expanding some highway to get more room for more cars. So I think yeah. that's, that's a good example because everybody can relate to that in some way, right? That not everybody's on social media, but, um, and I just want to say, since we're recording this and sharing it on the airways as someone who you, who studies and studies technology, there's no part of you that's saying we abandon technology. That's not what I'm hearing you right. say. It's like, no. it's, it's no, responsible no. use and thinking clearly about mm -hmm. what, what we're doing with it and what we could be and maybe shouldn't be doing with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Where do we okay. want to put to extend the gar the car metaphor guardrails up? <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. We, Absol know, absolutely. So what do we want and how can we work for those? Yeah. So I'm wondering, and this is partly selfish, you know, I, I often hear because, you know, even before the pandemic, you know, some of us were were teaching online and people would often say, well, you just can't build connections and human belonging online. You just can't do it, right? Mm -hmm. There were all the naysayers and then the pandemic hit and we had to shift to online in 24 hours. And then of course, online education got criticized. Well, you did it in 24 hours. What do you expect in the beginning? And so right. <laughs> like, if we think about the positives, Marie, that you're seeing, like, what do you think's mm -hmm. possible with technology, like with belonging and connection? Yeah that I, well, I will say I have taught online pre-pandemic mm -hmm. um, and I, it, it I worked really hard and continue to work hard to kind of feel that closeness mm. with the class that you can sometimes it may be, I mean, I, it still probably depends on your pedagogical approaches, right? Yes. You can be as yeah. alienating and face-to-face -face right. as it can be online. <laughs> That's um, right. But I do, I do understand that there yes. are different practices that build that community. Um, but I love one of the, um, uh, so my colleague that I do civics of technology with, his name's Dan Krutka, and he was doing a lesson with uh, middle schoolers about imagining, imagining what we do want for technology. Mm. And they said they want technologies of healing and technologies of care. And mm. it was just so beautiful. Wow. Mm. And like, what would that look like? Um, you know, if we were kind of intentional in bringing care ethics and healing ethics and thought about that first with our technology, instead of maybe like we always use innovative, which I like don't really know what that means. Or and I get, 
I don't really care for the word innovation. Um, mm -hmm. Or we talk about careers, which also I, I want, I mean, I want everyone to have a life and have the things they need. I think careers are important, but I don't, I don't like that as an end goal either. Mm -hmm. um, so I really yeah. like the idea, big ideas of ethics of healing and ethics of care and technology and what that might look like. I don't know what it is, but I can't, but I do like that orientation and yeah. approach. Yeah. I do too. I love that. I mean, Brian and I have been been onboarding students and teaching online for a while now, Brian. So I think yeah. that that idea of care and healing definitely resonates for sure. I was uh, I had a student do a really good presentation the other day, a senior undergraduate student, and she was talking about values based care that she experienced in the hospital when she was doing some internship work, mm -hmm. and it was so great to hear her explain it. Um, because I think so many of us are familiar with the productivity model in medicine, where you're just one of a million patients being seen, and it's test after test after test. And values-based care is the opposite of that. It's really like, how can you measure and reward practitioners for providing really effective care, probably based on healing and care? I mean, it just kind of connected that to me sort of across disciplines, where fundamentally, that's probably what we're looking for across the board. Mm -hmm. And it shows up differently in our different spaces, but it sounds like a human, you know, a human need. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that values-based. I've heard it lately in our community. We've been talking about value, values-based budgeting too, right? Like making sure your finances reflect your values. So um, yeah. yeah. What is it, Marie, do you think? Um, I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating because I think you made such a great point, even though you were joking. I think it's a really important point that I want to circle back to, which is you can be horrible and disconnected in person. It's not, it's not. a. So what is it that like we either Ooh. hold the technology up as being the thing or when it goes wrong, we hold that same piece of technology up as being mm -hmm. the horrible thing. Like what, mm -hmm. what is it that we are, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a distraction or blank. Like, what is it about the technology that keeps us so focused? Mm -hmm. So specifically with teach with education, you think? That's a or great. I mean, that's a good place to start. But you can take it anywhere mm -hmm. you 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 want. Mm -hmm. hmm. I think. Okay, this is my hot take. Yeah, love it. <laughs> um, we uh, we have a tendency just in our kind of western society to think of technology as a solution right it was, it's called it's techno solutionism mm. right it'll be a silver bullet to some social problem which is a problem because a social problem needs social solutions <laughs> a technology can be part of it right mm -hmm. certainly but it can't be the solution which causes us then to have i think a both like unrealistically high expectations of technology, which would allow us to then quickly dismiss it as well if online learning doesn't work, right? So the technology must be bad because mm -hmm. it was supposed to be the solution, which is not, it, in my view, not correct, right? Like the education is is the aim. And so it's our our educational practices and technology kind of like intersects and extends and it becomes, you know, part of that. Mm -hmm. But if we think of technology as a, like the solution to the 
the problem of learning during a pandemic, then mm -hmm. it's ne it's never going to work because that wasn't a, that wasn't a technological problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it needed it needed more of a solution than that. And I think that you can extend that to many things in society, right? Like we'll be like kids these days on their phones, like, and, <laughs> and yes, a hundred percent. And also being as an adult on my phone, like, uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. But also it's intersecting with all kinds of other trends and social, I uh, like, I, you know, I think to say like, it is only this thing, either this thing will solve all our problems or it's the devil and it will create all of our problems. Mm -hmm. it, like actually, I feel like it's probably very tempting to do because it allows you to not have to look at the real problems, mm -hmm. right? You don't have, like, uh, I wrote an, uh, a post with a friend of mine from Michigan State where, um, you know, the code, the, um, gosh, the people who make tasers, like what company, whatever company that is, you know, they want to make essentially tasers, drone tasers in schools for teachers oh. as like anti-shooter technology. Oh my gosh. And, <laughs> it's just like problematic for a million different yeah. reasons. Yeah. But maybe the biggest one is like, it allows us to just turn our heads collectively as a society and not look at the reasons that mm. children are getting murdered in schools. Mm. And and instead be like, well, the drug tasers would prevent that. And, you know, and that both is really tempting. And also like when it doesn't work, which all the technologies we've used so far to prevent school shootings have not worked, like then we'll be like, well, that was just a bad technology. We need another better technology. Mm. So if I yeah. could just... Mm. Have yeah. us all always be thinking about social problems with social solutions and technology as part of it. That would be, I would be happy. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, and it, it's interesting because I wonder, I mean, I'm sure I'm not a historian. I mean, I'd like history, but I'm not a historian in any stretch of the imagination, but I wonder what would be similar to technology, you know, before iPhones and things like that. Because what I what I wonder too about technology, especially in the area of belonging and connection, is not only is technology only part of the solution, and sometimes it doesn't work. It sometimes feels like technology allows us to repu replicate bad examples so much faster than like you know so much faster and at, and at scale i mean look at the pandemic i mean i can't help but go back to the pandemic and like all the criticism that online learning received and i'm like wait mm -hmm. and so it happened quickly and largely right mm -hmm. and so i just wonder mm -hmm. what would be the corollary to that in like the 1800s right to say that mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. these technologies um or i know you don't like that word innovation these changes that we see like, have we ever seen, have we ever seen anything that can replicate on mass? So with such frequency and expansion as like we're seeing in, in social media and mm -hmm. um, LMSs, learning management systems. So I think it yeah. complicates the need for attention. It makes it harder to get people to attend to the social problem when this is happening. <laughs> I'm, I'm moving my hand very rapidly, right? Um, right. right? Like replicating at such a, a fast pace. I don't know. Is that what you're seeing too? Yes, definitely. Yeah. And the, the, the rate of change is mm -hmm. exponential. And yeah. so 
I think, and so it's interesting you said historical examples because from my social study side, one of the research projects I'm part of is like, how can we bring those questions about technology when we teach historic technology? So like, if you ask those questions about trains, you get like a lot of really great answers about systemization and clocks and time and moving people and breaking apart, you know, making it possible for families to no longer live in like small, in like large units. You can like, your kid can live over here and you can live over here and you have a train now that takes you over, whatever. So there's all kinds of like cool ways to ask those questions and like develop the habit of mind of, of asking those questions in, Mm -hmm. in social studies classrooms. Um, But then yes, they, I feel like they are, it is just we have less time to respond. And for instance, like large language models become a thing and then putting a bunch of large language models together becomes a thing and writing code for it. And then we have chat GPT and chat and chat four or whatever it's called now, you know, like the next version of it already. So chat GPT was like November. <laughs> that was, that was like not that long ago, wow. right? This is, yeah. was November. And now there's, there's the newer version of it already. Um, and, and it is, we just don't have time. It feels like you said, yeah, there's not a lot. It feels like there's not a lot of time to reflect and think about the changes that might be coming. Yeah. I'm, hmm. I, this, I'm when so... you, you mentioned chat GB, uh, GTP, I was like, Hmm, where do we, do we ask a question about that? that feels like a whole nother <laughs> It's so funny because I have a box on my notes that says generative AI question mark. <laughs> like, are we going there? <laughs> I know. And I was like, now is it, is that, is that technology getting so good that it's replicating itself, right? Like that you, you're no longer writing code. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I guess, I think something I'm wondering about, and as we think about you, look, look, technology is not going away. Right. I mean, and and I say that knowing that I've been seriously thinking about like deleting my social media apps from my phone because I know what a terrible scroller I can be. Um, So with that said, how, how should we think about like optimistically, like how can we think about technology, whether it's in K to 12 classrooms and social studies, like where are you seeing sort of the best most hopeful uses of of education technology right now that we we should be really excited about and be thinking about <laughs> I, I, what's that laugh i'm thinking i'm thinking yeah. i'm thinking so i do i do think about technologies for distance distance learning and online learning mm-hmm. um as uh just an opportunity for either you know for us like to be together yeah community and for learners across spaces who may have different you know I'm thinking about teachers in different areas of the country and different areas of even the world coming together and having conversations and engaging in that um there is part of me, I feel like I'm just in a dark place about technology right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like I, in my, in, but then like, in, as I say that, like in the back of my mind is like the critique of distance education from the very beginning, which is like, yes, we'll have, we'll like mail, mail videotapes out and people will mail oh. videotapes back and we'll mail this out. And like, um, you know, 
people that we marginalized people, people we've marginalized will like, it'll, it'll be able to come together. And I'm like, well, not, it turns out, no, not unless there are some other intentional things. So it's like, my hope for technologies is also like the ways that they, that we make choices, I think collectively to, mm -hmm. to use them like in concert with the communities that they're used upon. So I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of like colonizing technology <laughs> approaches. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right word I'm thinking of, but sort of like, if we just drop to computers, it, you know, by air into like this impoverished region of whatever, like it will change it. And that I think is a, a lack of understanding. But then there are communities like Detroit has done this whole cool thing where they kind of like pushed back against the surveillance technology in their community and then then begin to use like media to tell their story, mm -hmm. which feels like grassroots and owned and authentic and less kind of like, here, if you use this thing, you'll be free right? <laughs> that I've yeah. given you and I'm telling you to use it as opposed to I've um, I'm part, you know, like, I know how I, I know what I need and I can use this thing. So I think that that's my kind of hope is like that in concert with social change, people make choices, intentional choices about technology for liberation and freedom in ways that like tech developers can't even imagine because they're yeah. not even thinking about it. Yeah. And that's kind of, for me, yeah. the, the hopeful space of technology right now. Yeah. I mean, you're maintaining that same consistent theme or two themes I'm hearing, right? Which is around um, technology cannot solve our complex social problems. So if, mm -hmm. if we, and I say we as whomever, a large group or the people that have the power and privilege, if we refuse to adjust the system and the privilege and power, no piece of technology is going to change that. Right. We saw that during the pandemic, right. School, mm -hmm. school, yeah. school became, you know, accessible in the sense that you could be in your house, but mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles still had to go to work because we don't have good childcare and parental mm -hmm. leave policies, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. buses don't run on time. So we don't have great transportation policies. So even bringing online technology into homes is not going to be the great, the great solver. And I think for me, how I would wrap up this conversation is Marie to bring it back to your sort of thoughts around belonging, which is we have to believe and see that everyone matters and that it is all of our responsibility, that it's not on a tech company to solve, to, to bring this thing or this higher ed MIT like place to bring this thing it's all of us responsible for each other um, and each other's mattering, right? And having that show up in yeah. real sy systemic ways. Um, and we just can't forget that. Yeah. I well, love and that. Then, mutual aid, technology mutual aid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really the healing. What was it? Healing and I've lost care. the other care, the healing yeah. and care, right? That's really the healing and care of technology. So, but yeah. to use it to, to lift up voices is awesome, right? Mm -hmm. And we believe so much in the power of storying and you mentioned telling stories. So like that, mm -hmm. I actually do feel a lot of optimism in that sort of yeah. thread yes. of this conversation. 
um, not in a way of imposing, but as a way of empowering and yeah. elevating yeah. voices. Yeah. I really like Absolutely. that piece. Absolutely. There's, there's something called the Tree Lab out of Northwestern University, mm. and they work with um, young people to to do precisely that and to tell, to lift up, tell stories, and use technology to, um, to both interrogate systems they see and mm. then tell the to to at, make to advocate and tell stories. It's awesome. Yeah. We just yeah. need, we need more of that, right? That, that exponential growth that you described when we were talking about sort of the negative, we need that exponential growth in the sort of storying and positive so that one day, yeah. you know, our kids, when they're older, know the, I don't know, I think of the, the Native American cultures and families and being able to capture all of those beautiful stories, like record them yeah. or, or whatever. Which yes, cool. yes. And I do have a I another um friend of mine who is a grad student at Michigan State is using is doing that is working with indigenous mm. communities to to capture language that is on the verge of extinction because of of you know practice and policies and domination, you know, terrible, terrible practices. Um, so again, not like the solution, but a, a solution and doing it in concert with mm. the community is, is really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's fantastic. So we always like Marie at the end of our, um, time together to give guests just a chance. Is there anything that we didn't ask you or you didn't get to share that you, you want to share with our audience? No, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for, for having me here. It was yeah, a pleasure. Absolutely. It was so fun to have you. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Marie, for taking time to come on, Brianne. It was great to to chat with you again. And I will say, just as an aside, um, Marie, I don't know that you and I have actually met physically in person. We haven't. And yeah, I will really. say, and it, it might just be me. So Marie, if it's not true for you, just don't say it. I said to Brianne the other day, like, I feel a connection to Marie and I don't even really know her that well. And we've only had like Zoom. 100% the same. <laughs> so, so we yep. are, we are a living experiment that technology can yeah. foster can relationships connect, right? and create connections. Yeah. So. yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. On that note, this has been another episode of Tell Me This. And I hope everybody enjoyed. Be good to yourself and be kind to everybody around you. Take care, everybody. Um. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.